stories don't define you, how you tell them will. Hi, I'm Sarah Elkins, your host and chief storymaker at Elkins Consulting. In my work with coaching clients, I guide people to improve their communication using storytelling as the foundation of our work together. What I've realized over years of coaching and podcasting is that the majority of people don't realize the impact of the stories they share on their internal messages and on the people they're sharing them with. What really lights me up is guiding executives and uncovering the stories in their lives that are meaningful. The stories that, when shared with the right audience in the right way, connect, inspire, and motivate. Here's what a former client had to say about our work together. As a leader of leaders, I struggle with how and when to use my stories to emphasize the points my audience is looking for. It's a delicate balance between sounding like I'm bragging and delivering a message that needs to be heard. Sarah's approach to storytelling clears that obstacle so that you can deliver a clear and concise message using your stories to emphasize your points. It's truly amazing when it all comes together. Greg McDonough, Blackburn Capital Advisors, and president of the Entrepreneurs' Organization of Washington, D.C. Visit elkinsconsulting.com to learn more about working with me. My special guest today comes from an introduction from my friend Toddy Norum that I've known for, oh, almost a decade via LinkedIn. And we have quite a few mutual contacts, which is um, very cool. But this one, when Toddy introduced me to this woman, I knew I had to get her on my podcast. She has some stories that will inspire, that will entertain, and that will make you want to do more good. That's just straight up what it is. So Bijane Karim comes to us from Atlanta. And um, as my listeners know, I'm just going to start with asking you to share something about yourself that most people might not know. So a couple of things come to mind. Um, first, I would say my name is always a topic of conversation because as you see the name, sometimes it's not clear on how do you pronounce it. If you see it come across email, um, a lot of people assume I'm a male <laughs> or I'm a man <laughs> because of the name. They say B-E. Oh, that must be Benjamin. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's Bijanay, not Benjamin. So I get that quite often. And I guess the interesting thing about my name is that my dad, my father named me. And so he had a really good friend um, and his name was Bijan. And so he just loved that name and just how beautiful that it sounded. And it's a Persian name. And so when he had uh, me, Unfortunately for him, I was not a boy. <laughs> and so he was trying to find a derivative of Bijan. So he named me Bijane. So that's that's a little sneak peek into uh, something interesting that probably many people don't know about where my name uh, originates from. I love that. And um, one of the reasons I love it is because I just think it's such a pretty name. And I think it names are so important. And when we ask somebody how to pronounce their name so that we are being accurate. So we are reflecting them the way that they should be reflected. I think that gives it so much more honor. And um, people really appreciate knowing that you care enough that you want to pronounce it correctly. So I encourage our listeners, anytime you see a name that's interesting, ask about it because people like to be asked. So the other reason I love your name and the story behind it is because in the Jewish tradition, we name our children after people who have passed in order to continue their memory, to keep their memory alive and, and to honor those people who have passed. So whenever I hear that somebody was named for someone else that was a dear friend or a relative, somebody who was dearly loved enough to name your kid after them, right. that just it speaks volumes, first of all, about your dad, that he would care so deeply for somebody that he'd want to name his kid after that person and find so much beauty in a name. I mean, that, and so for him to pass that along to you, we just know that there's more to it and that this is a, a person who is compassionate and caring. So thank you for sharing that story. Absolutely. And that's such a great, great knowing um, for you to share about the, the Jewish culture and tradition. So yeah, I, I definitely 
I think value my name even more just by you sharing that, that nugget. I appreciate that. Yeah. Names are important and they, um, they speak a lot about who we are. I think, I think we live into our names um, in some ways. So, but that's a whole other story because I could, I could talk about my kids' names and, and how Mad Max has absolutely lifted <laughs> from where the wild things are um, and, and Mad Max. But anyway, I don't want to go in that direction because I really want to hear more about you, particularly before we hit record, you were telling me about your week. and. Yeah. If you could describe the week for our listeners, it just, it kind of gave me a chill. So I'd like to hear it from you again, so I can get another chill, but also so our listeners can benefit from hearing it. Absolutely. So we were just recapping and and connecting about, you know, how our weeks have gone and led up to this particular day. And I was expressing my joy, really, um, and pride in the fact that I am Helping to, I am partnering with the United Way of Greater Atlanta, and we have been working very diligently over the past couple of months to launch um, this program called STEM Up Youth Maker Competition. And so what that entails is for local, middle school, and high school students to identify community issues and create a project that's going to solve it using STEM, science, technology, engineering, mathematics. And so students had to submit a proposal. We had volunteers to review those proposals, proposals um, whittle them down to the top three finalists. And this week, just this past week, we held their Shark Tank-like pitch competition. So they had to come prepared with their slide deck, with their pitch deck, and pitch to these strange judges you know, on their projects that they never met before. And can I tell you, it was the highlight of my week. You know, we all are busy with juggling this and that and dealing with the with the pandemic. But this really just reinvigorated and inspired me. I mean, they were so well prepared, energetic, imaginative, creative, well-spoken, just all of the above. And so it really literally brought joy and a tear to my eyes because I was like, oh my goodness, we've been working so hard to launch this and for this to go well. And in it, and it just, it did just that. It did just that and empowered young, uh, young minds, young leaders really, so to speak. So mm-hmm. that was part of my week. And so um, I'm so excited to see what they are able to accomplish in the community based on those project ideas that they pitched to us this past week. So they got some funding as a result of Absolutely. winning this competition. All that, three of them, do all three of them get some funding? That is correct. So top, the first place, they, they will receive $1,000. So can you imagine that? A For middle a middle school, school or high school, school student, right, winning 1000 bucks. What? I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish. And then the second and third place, they also, they, they both get 500 bucks each. So everybody walks away with something to help support and fund their projects. And they're also partnered up with um, a STEM industry professional to help coach, coach them um, to increase their chances of success of implementing or starting their project. So it, it, it is, it is, it's good things happening, big things happening here in Atlanta. So I'm excited. Oh, I love this story. So tell me, okay. So you're leading up to it. You probably had, um, it was probably pretty stressful trying to make sure all the technology was working. Cause I'm sure you didn't yeah. do it in person. Did you? No, it was virtual. Yeah. Via Zoom, so so right. I think I find that I find that um, just as challenging as um, figuring out how to do something in person. And I have done both. I've organized both kinds of events and they're equally challenging just in very different ways. So it must've been kind of stressful. And then during, you were probably really in the moment, um, just listening and doing the active listening that I know you do. And then afterward, that sense of relief. Sometimes I tell people, I don't really have room for joy and happiness right now because I I'm filled with relief. Mm. So I just have to kind of live in that for a little bit. So I'm, I'm curious about a moment that pops into your head, like that when I say this, when I talk about this competition, what is an image that pops into your head about a particular moment? I mean, cause I know you're a visual person. We kind of talked about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. What's the image that pops into your head? I just see brilliant young people's faces is what comes to mind, like with smiles on their faces 
and of all colors is what I see of mm-hmm. all colors. So completely an inclusive group, group, um, boys, girls, black, white, Asian, all the above. Like I just see a collective group of talented young minds. So and I'm imagining that you're looking at your screen right now, like as if it's going on and you have this zoom image of the, the, their faces, right? That's right. That's right. And the even more exciting part about it is that um, the top prize team were a group of mixed, um, there were fifth graders. Whoa. (laughs) Yes. 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 It was a mixed group of this middle school um, group age, but yeah, there, there were fifth graders in the group and I'm like, Wow, we definitely need to provide more opportunities for for children starting early um, of all backgrounds to to come up with community change. You know, um, have them help us solve some cr- these critical issues, right? Right. So yeah, that's what comes to mind. Those their their faces. So um, let's let's dig into that a little bit. You're you're looking at their faces, and you're having this moment where you're memorizing. The, the image that you're seeing in front of you, which is the, the faces of the teams looking at you. Did you see all three teams at once? At, at some point, is that kind of your imagining or are you imagining one particular team and their images looking at you? So, you know how Zoom is, is set up. If you're not presenting a screen, then you can have like this grid Brady Bunch view. So. Exactly. The gallery view. <laughs> so, yeah, right. The gallery view, exactly. So, so yes, that's what I'm I'm imagining. All of them, regardless of who was the top place winner, they were all winners. Um, yeah, <laughs> just getting to that point, being in that, the top three—that is right, exactly, exactly. Right. And just and and not even not even just um, the creativity, but just on top of think about the the soft skills that they're learning and and honing in um, for college and career readiness, you know, like being able to speak in front of a group and command the room and to research beforehand so that you're knowledgeable of what, of what, what your topic is, you know, and to come up with not only just to do the research, but to come up with solutions and a budget like that. That's a big thing. Like that's part of what I do in my job as an adult. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and the enthusiasm and it just sounds to me, uh, so I'm imagining you in this moment because I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm sitting next to you and we are watching these kids beaming faces coming from the Zoom gallery view. And what I'm getting from you is this combination of, of hope, mm. that sense of we are going to be in good hands if we keep doing what we're doing. Mm. As long as we continue to bring these kids to a place where they have these opportunities, I have hope. Um, But I also sense this great satisfaction in the diversity of of who you're looking at. That seems to be what's coming through right now is the meaningful, the meaning behind what you're seeing in terms of the diversity of who is looking at you from that screen. Yes, that is spot on. Yes, you pulled it out of me. That's exactly it. Like you nailed it. Yes. So the hope. Absolutely. Just in terms of what future impact that just this little seed that we planted could have in their trajectory, but then also um, making sure that all are included is, is, is very critical and is very key. You know, we know that there are, there are academic gaps and we know that there are education gaps and there are gaps, this and gap digital divides and things of that nature. And so absolutely that we were able to provide an opportunity for all um, really, really means a lot. And did that was part of the joy um, that I felt this week and and that sense of satisfaction. I love that. Um, I've been really focused lately um, on the stories of joy and they can be now that was kind of an epic moment for you. And, and so those are really important ones to capture. And when you tell a story with that kind of joy, you simply exude it. And we know from studying our brains that my, my neurons are mirroring yours. 
So when you feel and experience this joy and you can tell this story to me in this way, I am feeling it. Mm-hmm. Almost as much lighting up the same part of my brain. Transfer the energy. That's exactly right. That's Absolutely. Exactly right. So I've been really focused on that. And it can't, it doesn't have to be an epic moment. That's what I keep telling my coaching clients. Those moments of joy that you're sharing, that you're capturing and being able to mirror for other people um, or create a mirror of other people, um, they can be as simple as yesterday. I took a picture of the green coming up from my yard. Now I live in Montana. And spring takes a long time to get here. But I, but I saw these um, tulip bulbs coming oh. up. And it's just the greens. There's no, you know, there's no flower on it yet. But I'm seeing this green come up through that dark dirt. There's still snow here and there around us. And that was a moment of joy. Like, yeah, oh. joy and hope, right? Because you 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 can see what's yet to come. And tulips are my favorite flower, by the way. So the fact <gasps> that you're about to have some bloom, I'm, I'm giddy about that. <laughs> yeah, see, so we're mirroring each other's joy neurons. That's awesome. So that's that's in particular why I wanted to ask you to share that story again, even though you had already shared it with me. I want our listeners to be able to feel that same sense of joy and accomplishment. So um, I have to ask, though, and and you know, this is getting into a level of detail I don't usually get into, but what was the winning idea? Do you remember? Can you describe it just briefly? Yeah, absolutely. So um, this, the student team that was the, the top, who placed top, um, they wanted to address the academic learning loss that students are experiencing because of the pandemic. So we know because of the pandemic and for safety reasons and variety of reasons, um, schools have been operating remotely. And so because of that, you know, there are research studies that, you know, um, there is academic loss because of that. It may, um, online learning may not be meeting all students' needs, right? Um, or there's some families who don't have access to the technology or Wi-Fi is an issue or th- there's a variety of things that's going on. So that it just compounds the issues of being able to address students' needs and their learning. And so their idea was to come up with an, uh, I think it was an app, actually, an app that students could get tutorial support. So if they needed tutorial support in a particular area, they could go through the app and be paired up with the tutor to help support them um, to alleviate that academic learning loss. And it was it was so great um, just in terms of their energy and how well thought out it was. And they even had a schematic of the flow of how the app would work, so to speak, you know, like a, not a decision tree, kind of like a decision tree graphic in, so to speak, in a way. Yeah. And so it was, it was amazing. It was, it was just amazing. Again, it's, it's a true need. So, and, and that's generally what scientists, engineers, mathematicians, technologists, they are they solve problems, right? They're addressing something in society, either to make our life more comfortable or um, or to solve a, a problem. And so mm-hmm. they were doing just that, like, okay, what what's going on around me with my peers? What can we do um, using STEM? So there is something so full of compassion about that idea. It's not just solving a problem that they're seeing in the people around them, they're experiencing it themselves and they, they know how uncomfortable it is. And so they want to share some way of fixing that, that, I mean, I have to say, I, that describes to me compassion as much as it does anything else. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, not only thinking through, um, how to solve the problem, but almost incorporating design thinking because with design thinking, you know, before you, you know, ideate, you, you, you empathize first, right? Like what are people's pain points? What are the issues? And then what ideas can we come up to help, you know, alleviate that? So you're absolutely mm-hmm. right, Sarah, about that compassion. Definitely around that. that project. So there's in StrengthsFinder there, one of the talents is called uh, includer. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what that speaks to me is that they don't want anyone to be left out. Mm-hmm. that it is meaningful to them. They understand the feelings that come with being isolated or excluded. And, mm-hmm. and that, that includer strength is that person in your close knit group that 
copies everyone on an email to make sure nobody feels left out. Mm-hmm. Um, and the person who wants everyone to have a seat at the table, even if they don't necessarily have any authority or input, they just want them to, to be included so that there's not a feeling of exclusion. And of course, the way that gets in people's way sometimes is when you do have too many people in a room, decisions are harder to come to. Mm-hmm. And I don't have includer of my top strengths. So I'm always like, well, you know, if we have, you can't make a decision by committee. That's just, that just doesn't work. It takes too long. Um, so let's make some decisions and then have people give us input about how we need to change it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that these, these students are seeing that. I don't want to call them kids. I, I, I just avoided calling them kids. Like, yeah, young minds, young young minds is, yeah. Students, students yeah. can be any age, change right? Change agents. I mean, <laughs> any of those exactly, words. Exactly, change agents. Um, and I keep thinking about the word includer and compassion. And So um, tell me, when you were a kid, well, oh, wait, first I want to talk about this idea of STEAM. Okay. including arts in there. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, um, I am an artist. I'm a musician. I have been doing ceramic art for Beautiful. many, many years. Um, and I am not a proponent of separating art from STEM. Agreed. And, and by putting an A in there, you're basically making it its own thing. And I truly believe that you have to incorporate art in all of them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. those students, by putting together their flow chart mm-hmm. and design thinking, that's the art and creativity side of it. So yes, absolutely. It's kind of like, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no. I, I just wanted to build off what you were saying. Um, I think by putting the A in there, it's making the A more pronounced. Because to me, the A is already integrated in, in STEM. However, we want to highlight and make sure that it's captured because exactly. think about, so think about for science, for example, think about when you were in school and you were learning about the cell, right? A cell, what does a plant cell look like? And what does an animal cell look like? Or um, even thinking about constellate, learning about constellations in our solar systems, like the, we are usually obtaining a lot of that information through diagrams, right? Someone had to draw those schematics. Or we had to draw what we saw. Or we had to draw them ourselves, exactly, right? So there's mm-hmm. there's arts naturally embedded in science. Same thing for mathematics, um, technology, engineering as well. That, you know, by the fact that we're using Zoom right now to, to conduct this podcast, think of all the steam that had to happen in that. <laughs> exactly. Creating, creating the visual model for people to be able to see each other on the screen. There had to be an artist behind that, the little toolbar and all the the icons that's placed on there so people can um, understand what these icons mean intuitively. Like all, 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 it's already there. Part of the communication. It is part of the process. And when we make sure that we're doing it with intention, Mm -hmm. I think that's when it's meaningful. So um, as you were talking about the models that we use where we'd have to draw out a cell or something, how many of us made a cell or a virus with a marshmallow and toothpicks and exactly uh, or a right. bridge with, right. with gumdrops? Right, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. and that is art. And so, and th- what I love about it is that I've never been great at drawing. Like mm-hmm. I have... <laughs> You do not want me sketching. Okay. I'm a stick right? figure queen as well. No worries. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. But you you have me doing lettering, like calligraphy. I'm all over it. And and so I think being able to uh, enrich the STEM learning through a variety of media, creative mm-hmm. media, mm-hmm. you're incorporating it into everything when it's done intentionally. I think that's why artists really want the A in there. Mm-hmm. is because yeah. it's not always intentional and it has right. to be intentional. I feel the same way about composition. Mm. I don't think English comp should be a separate class from anything mm-hmm. because I think it should be a part of every class. Mm-hmm. When you're writing a paper, you should be graded on your grammar and your ability to, to create a sentence that makes sense. And mm-hmm. um, it's all about communication. So Okay, off my soapbox now. No, 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 no but it's, but but I, I I completely agree. And then even enhancing it even further from the visual arts and taking how can you integrate performance arts 
into oh. science, technology, mathematics, right? So, yes. so for example, you, you said that ceramics is your jam, right? So how could you look at may, maybe ancient ceramic pottery of different nationalities or indigenous people and maybe create some of those potteries in, 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 um, and talk about the geometry and the chemical process that happens when you're yes. making ceramics? Can you make a poem about it? Can you become the pottery and maybe explain the process through you go? So all those things like can be elevated. And talk about it. Arts. That that right? is perfect. yes. Oh, you just totally lit me up, Bijane. Because <laughs> I hadn't I hadn't even like put that together, but um, your students were doing exactly that. They were including performance art. That's right. Through their, That's their, their presentation. Through their pitch. They had a slide deck. So, of course, with the slide deck, you can't just have a, well, you can, but they didn't have just a blank white, you know, slide deck. They with had graphics points. in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to illustrate and their images, exactly. photographs. Right. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm just <laughs> totally energized right now. Like my brain is just going all kinds of directions. So what I would love to know is, um, when you were getting into this, like early on, I don't know if you were two, if you were in fifth grade, <laughs> if you were 30, I mean, cause lots of us are late. I am a late bloomer. Um, when was it just, I know there, I don't believe in light bulb moments necessarily. I believe that we all have kind of dimmer switches. Mm. And so there are a lot of little incidents that lead up to something that is the light bulb moment. Mm-hmm. But when you think about your trajectory and how you got to where you are now, mm-hmm. is there a person in a conversation or a specific project you worked on mm-hmm. that when you look back, you're like, oh, yeah, that, that, was, that was a pivotal conversation or that was a pivotal project? So it's interesting that you say that. So I, I, I definitely, for me, would say it's a case of you know, they always say the the nature versus nurture, right? And I think it's both. I don't think it's one or the other. Um, For me, I think I've been inclined to um, have a scientific approach to the things that I do, a methodical approach to the things that I do. So I'm thinking about a time, I want to say I definitely was probably in elementary school, it was a health class. And for some reason, we had some type of textbook that we had to read. No, it was a health book. And in the health book, it had mentioned about creating to-do lists. And so like, so you could remember to do like certain health things, like brush your teeth or do this or do that. And that idea was just like a, it, like you said, it was a, it was a, it was a light kind of like, like, Ooh. yes. The to-do list, like, yeah, I like this concept, right? I and even right now, I have little <laughs> post-it notes everywhere. Oh, around hold me. that up again. I'm going to do a screenshot of that. Okay, smile because I'm going to do note of things for me to do. So again, my <laughs> methodical of okay, this is how I'm going to structure this in my flow chart, right? And and not only that, so that was one thing that really resonated with my little young brain, like, oh, yeah, checklist. OK. And I also can think back during that same time where um, I like to create like workbooks and and things like that for my friends. Like I was the teacher and, you know, here's your little workbook and we're going to go through this. And so thinking about what I do today it's like I've come completely full circle. So like I still use the to-do list uh, strategy. I have list on my, I have an electronic list on my phone or, you know, I have post-it notes so I can scribe things out as I'm thinking about them. But then also like the curriculum creating piece. So in my work with BK International Education Consultancy, I'm the, the founder, the CEO, um, we provide three main services. And one is continuing education and training. So professional learning, um, we also provide curriculum design <laughs> mm-hmm. and project management. And so those are our three big service buckets. Um, but we we definitely have this um, passion, interest, advocacy for, you know, STEM and STEAM. And our target audience tends to be school districts and nonprofits. And so thinking about Bijanae as a little girl and making these checklists and creating these books, it's like, 
okay, I'm still doing those exact same things today. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess this, is mu- this must be <laughs> where I'm supposed oh to be gosh. in this point in time, in this point in time. So. I, don't, I am guessing when our listeners hear this, they're going to be thinking back about the things that they did as kids that they, it was just this instinctive decision to do something and to, to keep doing it in a particular way. Um, I know you immediately brought me back to playing teacher. I would teach my younger sister things, whatever I was learning in school, she was learning and mm-hmm. she's five years younger than I am. Mm-hmm. So she was doing algebra in like third grade <laughs> because it. I was Love doing algebra, <laughs> whatever. Teach, um, one, teach one. <laughs> right. And so we're, we're continuing that. Like I still, I still teach and coach and I used to teach college classes. And, um, and I'm also thinking as you're talking about, creating workbooks and stuff when we would be on a road trip or something I would create like a a word search for my Mm -hmm. sister or my brother or I would do a connect the dots or like Mm -hmm. the the dot yeah connect the dots kind Mm -hmm. of picture for them and like that was oh my gosh you have my brain all over the place right now and that was your artistic side coming out, right? With the dot mm-hmm. pieces and then even how to structure those squares with a, cur- a certain angle to get the words in there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. How many have to be, you know, across and down and mm-hmm. what, it, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I'm trying to think how I'm applying that now in so many different ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and for me, like, so, so education it wasn't necessarily my first step out of, of like college, so to speak. I, I did travel the science, the science path first. Um, and what? I, so, what? so yeah, so I actually went to school and undergrad. Um, my major was in biology and chemistry. Oh, wow. And I thought immediately, I was like, yeah, I want to go into the environmental science field. And, you know, I always, I think, had kind of like a service oriented, you know, heart and mindset. Mm-hmm. So I felt like environmental science was a great way to do that. And then I learned about <clears throat> this program called Teach for America. And that was my entry point into education. And so um, since then, I had had taught, I think typically for Teach for America, um, core members, they, they serve a commitment of two years. But I stayed well, like eight years past that. So I stayed in the school system for 10 years. And so during that time, you know, again, this nurture versus nature piece. um, And I come from a family of educators. I also come from a family of entrepreneurs. I also come from a family um, who has like science background. And so it really, it was like a melting pot, just kind of all merged together into BK International Education Consultancy. So, you know, we have this education consultancy side, but then we have this arm where we do, you know, support school communities around STEM and STEAM because those are, that's what makes up me, you know, that's what makes up me from those early experiences. Mm -hmm. Wow. So when, um, when you started this consultancy, um, I'd love to hear the story of one of the clients that was the the client that when you think of your first success story where you walked away going, yes, you know, just full of that satisfaction, maybe not joy because you had so much relief, but I can see you're smiling. So you must have a client in mind. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking back because it's been a couple of years now. We launched in 2012. And so wow. congratulations. That's nine years. I know. Right. (laughs) Now that's a celebration to be had for sure. Yes. Yes. I'm trying to think what client comes to mind just in terms of satisfaction. Um, Oh my goodness. Cause there's so many over the years. Um, Is there an image that pops into your head of a project or a location? Hmm. I guess it's hard for me to, to just, to sit on one, I guess, is the. Is well, let the, me. Um, do you want me to ask some more questions to yeah, get there? Okay, probe, or, probe a little okay, bit. Okay, I'll probe a little. Well, I'll, okay. I'll share one of mine and then maybe that will trigger one of yours. Okay. Um, I remember early in my career, I was working as a PeopleSoft consultant in the, the late 90s in Washington, D.C. So I was, um, I was working with a team at the World Bank. And I remember sitting in a at a a table 
a big long boardroom table, you know, the old <laughs> 90s looking boardroom, very dark wood. And it was all men in the room except me. I was like 25 or 26 sitting at this table with all men and all much older than me. Um, and then the only other woman in the room wasn't even at table. She was scribing. So she was like a secretary taking notes and older than me. And um, I remember sitting in the room and they were talking about how to collect certain data through PeopleSoft. And I had known enough about PeopleSoft at that point that I knew that each field has had its own necessity. And there were very few fields that didn't touch other form, other related reports and stuff later on. And they were talking about using a particular field in a certain way. And um, I don't know where I got the courage, but I said, um, I would not do that because it, if you change the use of that field, it's going to mess up these three reports when you run them. So you can collect the data somewhere else, but I wouldn't use that field for that purpose. And I remember this moment of feeling like this red blush coming up. I mean, this is the late 90s, which is still, I mean, we're still fighting this stuff, right? Um but I remember that blush coming up from my chest and my face getting kind of red as I was talking. And then I got quiet and all heads turned to the man next to me as if he had said it. And he, he nodded. He goes, yeah, yeah, that's right. Even though he didn't actually know. He didn't know anything about the, the PeopleSoft functions. Um, he was like a, a senior level project manager. So he wasn't, he wasn't at that level of functionality. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's right. And I remember kind of taking a deep breath and everybody saying, okay, so where should we put this data? And I walked out of there. I, I was disappointed that I didn't get the credit for it. I mean, they all were like, oh, thanks for saying that, Tim. <laughs> As if I hadn't said a word. But right. at the same time, I remember walking away feeling satisfied that I knew what I was talking about and it was going to save that client some major problems later on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, now that you shared that story, so I, I would I would bring my mind to uh, a recent client. Um, and I think COVID has 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 my brain a little foggy. Just it seems right. like what day is it today? It's all been <laughs> yeah. merged into one one long one long year. Um, but so in addition to us providing support to school communities around STEM and STEAM, as I mentioned, uh, continuing education and training, professional learning is one of our, our, our key core services. And so um, recently at the end of last year, thanks to, I'm gonna call it my quarantine creativity, our quarantine creativity, we published a book called 12 Quick Steps to Writing Winning Classroom Grants. And so we were working with the school in helping to build their instructors' capacity on being able to find funding for their classrooms, because it, it's a it's a common education culture that educators will spend out of their personal funds to support learning in the classroom. And so, given you know there have been budget cuts and you know uncertainties with the economy. And the switch to remote learning, teachers were doing this even more, you know, um, <clears throat> because they care about their kids, you know. And so with this with the school, I wanted to make this course to where they were able to bridge their understanding um, of lesson plan design, which they already do every day and connected with this whole new field of grant writing and mm -hmm. not make it feel like completely foreign because teachers are tapped and stretch, stretch for time. Um, and so I didn't want to feel like it was adding another thing to their plate. You know, I wanted to seem like, a e uh, you know, a, a, um, a easy bridge to cross, so to speak. And so, you know, we had a couple of, a series of sessions, you know, about this, I unpacked the book for them pretty much. And at the end, I mean, I just got the best, I would say, testimonials, so to speak, just about they're like, 
oh my God, yeah, I can do this. Like, <laughs> I, this is so easy. Why, you know, I, why was I so intimidated by it? Right? right. Why was I so intimidated about it or have been spending my money when there's like billions of dollars out there that we could have tap, you know, we could tap into. And so I think that piece for me, just in terms of like relief, because it was the first time of me conducting that training. But that was my key piece is, to, is just to make to want to make sure that teachers saw that grant writing um, is not unreachable and is very much connected to the work that they're already doing. And, and that was definitely accomplished. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely accomplished. So. Oh, that's awesome. Did anyone in particular write you a note and say, this has changed my life? Thank you. Absolutely. So I, I keep in contact with actually the school's um, uh, finance manager. And so I was thinking of the time saver and the life changing piece it would be at the educator level. But she had expressed and shared with me um, the impact that that training and training is having on her as a finance manager or as an administrator of her school. Because she she had shared that, you know, oftentimes we have a budget, you know, a line item budget. We can spend it for this or for that. And teachers may come to us, but we may be tapped on how we could use the fund or restricted to how we can use the fund funds or how much they may need for something may be limited or things of that nature. And 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 we hate to have to turn them, you know, turn them away and say they have a good idea. You want them to be able to implement it. Exactly. And especially when you're thinking about STEM steam or you know, students working from home, they, they need access to tangible things. They need, they need literacy books and they need, you know, this and that to continue mm-hmm. to learn, especially for those types of kinesthetics and visual learner. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so yeah, she was just sharing me, sharing with me as an administrator. She was like, this has been, this, this, it has really been helpful for our school because they're inspired. Um, and they're thinking about all types of projects, different kind of projects that they can, they can help fund and support now. Um, in a greater sense and increase their impact and reach with students and students' families now that they feel like they, you know, they, they have this skill underneath their belt. So I was like, wow, I didn't even think about that from the administrator side, but yeah, absolutely. We want to support, you know, schools, you know, in that way. So, Oh my gosh. I love that. And that is, I mean, there's so much satisfaction. I, I hear this a lot from my clients that when they put something out there, they have this particular intention, you know, they're motivated by a particular intention. And then when they hear that it's being used in different ways that are valuable and inspiring, it's just, it just adds so much inspiration. You're like, okay, if I did that, what's going to happen when I do this? That's right. That's right. Take it to the next level. (laughs) Are you starting to think about what that next level is going to be? What the next thing is going to be? Absolutely. Like more of these webinars or? Yeah, I, we would absolutely love to be able to provide more. Um, right now, you know, we are hosting um, in partnership with Amazon, like where schools can order their books and things like that. But being able to have a coach there, you know, so mm-hmm. a knowledgeable other who one has been an educator, you know, right. Um, <laughs> right. So, right. We're educators. Yeah, you've been right. in the classroom. Right. right. So we understand. Um, and how to bridge that language between the grant writing world and education and coach them through, you know, mm-hmm. that's even that's even more helpful and more meaningful um, than just reading a book on your own. Right. Like of that. Course. That's great. The book is great. But to have that extra piece, you know, that coaching piece and that guidance like that, you know, that's just that's just top notch right there. It is. And so, I think it I think on top of um, the. I don't know, confirmation of the things that they're reading in the book. When they hear it, it confirms for them some of what they were thinking about. But I think it also um, helps them. It makes it more approachable when a human being says, okay, I know this book, it lays it out, but you may still find yourself a little challenged or intimidated thinking about the time commitment. Let me walk you through this so you understand it is simpler than you think. Even reading the book simplifies it but you may still have those doubts about whether you have time to do this. And here's, here's how this works. I, I'm a big believer in coaching through things like that. Um, I, and I, 
I think it's because um, I had taken lots of assessments in the past through my undergrad um, business degree and then my MBA and then um, through different work environments, you know, they have you take the real colors or they have you take oh, the, the personality, te- yeah, all those assessments, it, it, right? And I never really got their value because I never had a coach walk me through a why these um, why these characteristics are good. You know, what do they? How do they help with my success? How do they make me successful? But also, where are they getting in my way when they're not used well? And it wasn't until I did the Strengths Finder that I actually had a coach walk me through the assessment and go, well, this is what this means. And can you think of a time when this really worked well for you? And okay, now let's look at the opposite. When did this get in your way? I'm like, oh, I can name dozens of times it got in my way. But um, so I, I love that you have that coaching option to go along with the book. And is, that, is that something our listeners would have access to? That's absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, just think about it. Like if, if you, if it, a tiny Bijanay or a tiny Sarah, you were in a classroom and someone just gave you this book and say, Hey, go have at it. Right. Go read like, this book. It's great stuff. Right. Right. Okay, go, <laughs> right. go for it. Right. But right. that's why you have a teacher there, right. To unpack that for you and, and make those connections. So absolutely. So I, your listeners have access to me as well as those trainings. And the great thing about the trainings, um, even though the book is tailored to the education space, grant writing is the same across any and every industry. Yeah. So the tips in the book are going to be great tips for um, if you're a nonprofit, if you're a small business, um, whoever you may be, if you're interested in tapping into grant funds um, for your for your organization, for your project. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So the name of the book. It's called Twelve. Quick steps to winning classroom grants. Cool. Okay. Um, so, just for our listeners, uh, as as we come full circle and start to wrap this up, our our listeners will want to know where to find you, where to find this information, and just so our listeners know, if you are on the road or out walking while you're listening to this, all of these links will be on the blog post associated with this podcast. So, don't feel um, stressed about trying to find this information and, and jot it down because Bijanay is not an easy name to say. It is an easy name to remember. Um, right, but spell right. maybe not. Um, so tell uh, tell our listeners, please, um, how to get a hold of you, what all the things that you would want them to know about you in these last couple of seconds as we wrap this up. Absolutely. So you can find us at www.bkconsultancy. So that's B-K-C-O-N- S-U-L-T-A-N-C-Y.org. We're also on Instagram. Handle mm-hmm. is at BK underscore consultancy. We're also on Twitter, Facebook at BK consultancy, just one word. Um, my email address is Bijanae, B-E-J-A-N-A-E at BK consultancy.org. Um, or the phone number is 678 678- Eight two zero ninety one ninety five. So we're on most social medias. Um, there's our website. Share the email address and the phone number. So we look forward to hearing. And I will also have a link to buy the book uh, because I think a few of our listeners are grant writers or are interested in writing grants. I know we have lots of teachers that listen to this podcast and leaders who may find it an interesting idea to maybe think about grants in a different way. Right. And helps to to build their teacher's capacity or their school's capacity to acquire Mm -hmm. those funds. I mean, there's over $400 billion out there, y'all tap into it. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) It's there. And I think um, one of the things that um, people get hung up on is the strings that are attached to a lot of this money. But if you're doing your research and you plan I mean, most, I know most government grants require 10% to be set aside for administrative stuff, which means Mm -hmm. the reporting. So you don't have to do this on top of the grant. You actually include that kind of administrative cost of of the reporting processes. Um, So I I love this idea. And, and you know what I'll share with you, Mm -hmm. Sarah, for your, for your listeners only, Mm -hmm. we have a grant funding checklist. So I'll send you the link to that in case people want to know like, hey, am I even ready for a grant yet? 
It's a checklist to help them figure that out. So, and that'll be for free. That's for free. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Oh, I'm excited to read that myself. <laughs> I'll, I'll also put that if it's okay on the blog post associated with the podcast, because only Absolutely. listeners usually go there. Great. Excellent. Oh, I'm so excited for this. Bijanay, I just want to thank you for what you do in the world, because just even getting on this call with you, inspired, enlightened, you exude this energy that just makes me want to go do something. And it's exactly what I anticipated after looking you up and our back and forth on email before scheduling this recording. So thank you for what you do for our communities. And likewise, thank you for sharing individual stories. Thank you for sharing our stories. We appreciate that, Sarah. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. Um, for our listeners, again, you'll be able to get all of those links on the blog post associated with this podcast on elkinsconsulting.com. Thanks, Bijanay. Are you ready to start your story portfolio so you have the right story ready to share when the opportunity presents itself? When you're ready to get started, my book, Your Stories Don't Define You, How You Tell Them Will, is available in all the regular places, and the audiobook version is available on Google Play and on my website, elkinsconsulting.com. As a special bonus for listeners, the audiobook includes two songs recorded by my band, Spare Change, in my living room in Montana. Also on my website is a free podcast interview checklist. It's available to download to make sure you make the most out of your next podcast interview. If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to rate the podcast and leave a review and let me know that you've done it so I can thank you properly. Thank you. <laughs>